You're listening to the One Minute Mindfulness Show with Vicky Kelly and Natalie MacGyver. This is the One Minute Mindfulness Show where we explore the life-enhancing power of retraining our attention systems in everyday ways to strengthen our capacity for mindful living. I'm Vicky Kelly. And I'm Natalie MacGyver. Hey, welcome back to the show. What episode are we on now? We are on eight. They're not all up there yet, so you guys are going to have to keep checking in on iTunes and and downloading the latest show when it appears every fortnight so that you can stay up to date with us as well. And you're amazing, Natalie, because I noticed that you're posting it up on Facebook and all the links can go everywhere. Even I can listen to the shows. It's even easy for me. I know. (laughs) It is. There's lots of ways you can find us. You can find us straight on the wellness couch uh, dot com of course forward slash omm you can find us on itunes under the one minute mindfulness show and then of course all the links are posted every time they go live on our facebook.com forward slash omm page where you can yeah, ask us all sorts of questions and share some of your uh, mindfulness tips or some of the the experiences you're having as you as you integrate more of these practices and and love our show more and more every week we we'd love to hear from you there uh, yeah, and you know, Natalie, uh, just off the show, and some of some of our best conversations happen off off record. But you were saying that in the last couple of weeks, our um, reach potential has been expressed at a much higher level in terms of people are really jumping on board and loving the shows and loving the posts on Facebook, and and certainly the feedback, you know, through my community is that our om. Uh, Facebook page because you know some some of us some of us me included you know a, a scrolling have scrolling frenzies and the on page literally stops people in their tracks I love so that. I love that yeah no I love that people are people are in my circle are letting me know how easy it, the show is to listen to how easy the the tips are to to actually bring into practice and just how much more awareness they're having about themselves and their autopilot um, reactions and responses to things in their everyday life. And and that's what we set out to achieve, wasn't it? Awareness and education and, and fun and easy. Absolutely, because, you know, the, the, most, the most important and the most heartening thing for me in the work that I do is that it's not anything new. I'm just helping people to remind themselves of how amazing they are. And when we're paying attention, when we're more mindful and more present, we just naturally make better choices that are closer to the better version of us, whatever that is. And it's, you know, my better version that will be different to yours. But it's just so heartening when people actually wake up for long enough and and recall and gather their attention for long enough, the way that they're able to liberate that through their daily practices of living is is absolutely inspiring and that's what people are beginning to notice they're going wow actually i i am a i am a pretty cool person when i can pay attention <laughs> so today our program is on some sort of a q and a we're giving the a's to the q's out there and we've we've chosen some of the most commonly sort of posted posted in or emailed into me and so we have a collection of them I think you've got the collection of them Natalie I do I've got a list of great questions from our listeners and and um you know I've really enjoyed 
um, our discussion around um, this because, you know, I learn a few things in, in this show every week as well I, um, through the responses from other people, through my own experiences as as I grow and learn more in mindfulness as well. So the questions were are interesting and, and possibly very much on the minds and the thoughts of other listeners who, who haven't shared the questions. There probably been things that they've been wondering and thinking about as well as they listen to our show every week. And, of course, this this Q and A these Q and A sessions will be regular a regular part of our shows now. So if you have any uh, questions that you're wanting to explore, all you need to do is either post them on our Facebook page or send them via email. Any any one of the platforms that that uh, you you use on a regular basis. Indeed. Shall we get started then? Yes, please. Excellent. All right, Vicky. So this first question is from John in Vermont, and John says, thanks for your show, Natalie and Vicky. Oh, thanks, John. <laughs> I've been busy using some of your OMM, One Minute Mindfulness Practices, and along with being more relaxed generally, I'm noticing that I need a lot less sleep. I'm wondering if this is from my OMM practice or just a coincidence. Wow. What a, what a great um, side effect. Yeah. <laughs> if, it, if it is a side effect. And, you know, he, he asked, John asked the question, and, and thank you for your kind words, John. He asked the question about is it from my own practices or is it um, just a coincidence? And regardless, it's happening for you. So celebrate that. You know, regardless of, of whether it's associated or not, I would um, say high five to you because whatever you're doing is helping you to probably sleep more deeply. Where we're talking about John, John from Vermont and his and his sleep. And I think I was just beginning to mention about the, the benefits of of uh, or the you know the the beneficial side effect of on practices or mindfulness practices or meditative practices on sort of it's twofold. On first of all the quality of our sleep. So Many of us, when we hit the pillow at night, are still are really tired, but we're wired because of what we've, you know, the way we've allowed our attention to be distracted throughout the day. And then we hit the pillow, and I don't know whether um, you have ever had this, Natalie. I'm sure many of our listeners have, and the little voice inside our head starts. Yeah about we could have done what we should have done, what we haven't done. Oh, now we start our mental to-do list for tomorrow. Oh, oh, you know, and, it, and it starts going crazy. That little monkey mind starts going crazy. And that's generally because we, we're hitting the pillow, we're tired, but we're still in that low-grade stress response. So we've still, we're still, our brain is still on alert. Mm. And so anything we can do in terms of our um, mindfulness practices, our wet, and particularly just even the short form mindfulness practices at night to cool off that system and get us into the resting system, which is at that parasympathetic system, will help the quality of our sleep. And the deeper that we can sleep, the less sleep we seem to need. And I'm not a sleep specialist and I don't pretend to be. However, anecdotally, and a growing body of research is suggesting that meditation attention training practices help number one the quality of our sleep so we sleep more deeply and more restfully and we're so we're we're really we do lots of repair and regeneration in our sleep and so all of those systems 
uh, a, the dial is turned up when we have a better quality of sleep and when we're not in that, uh, you know, that brain alert stage. And the second part of that is we tend to need less sleep, as John's reported. When we're calling our attention back and training our mental muscle, because the quality of our sleep's better, it may just be that we need less sleep and we're waking feeling more refreshed and alert than feeling like we've, um, you know, gone through 50 rounds in a boxing ring overnight um, because we've we've struggled to sleep uh, as deeply as we need to, to to rest and repair. And we've mentioned in previous shows that one of the, the best ways to call our attention back and allow our body to and our minds to quieten and go into sleep is to ensure that we have all of our technology out of the room, turned off and not checking it just before bedtime so we don't stimulate that part of our brain again to be switched on with checking Facebook feeds, checking emails, checking text messages, etc. Yes, and, and I and I do have to say that the the um it tends in, in a partner relationship it tends to be one person more than the other who, you know, is is digitally <laughs> addicted. And so the feedback has been, you know, getting the mistress, as I call it, out of the bedroom. Uh, has really helped across a number of levels and uh, so sleep quality is just one of them Um, but yep definitely get technology out it might mean you've got to dust off that old alarm clock uh, but it it will be it will be worth it it will absolutely be worth it and I'd I'd have to say just on that sleep I don't know that uh, meditation or mindfulness practices are a replacement for sleep although I have been known to meditate for a few hours when uh, instead of sleeping, and it does work. I wouldn't suggest it as a sustained mm. um, practice. Mm. However, what I'd like to suggest to you, John, is that yes, I do. I do believe in my heart that uh, your on practices have are helping your quality of your sleep, um, and that may be a reason why you're feeling like you need uh, less sleep. So. Thank you for that question. I hope that um, is of value. Keep up your on practices, particularly uh, when you hit the pillow at night, even if you're only doing one minute of breathing, just to cool off that uh, wired up system and allow your body to to rest and um, sort of phase into a really healthy, restful, rejuvenating uh, quality of sleep. And I agree with John on that too. You know, the more the more mindfulness practices I use throughout the day and the more mindful I am of the moments in my day, I am sleeping better, I am needing less sleep, and I'm finding that I have much better energy and more consistent energy, sustained energy throughout the day as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement here with John. I'm loving that uh, side effect, if that's what you want to call it, because, you know, yeah. I like to have lots of energy. I like to feel awake and, and stimulated throughout my day, but I like to let go and go to sleep and stay asleep. Yeah, and, and just on the staying asleep, the, I think the other thing that we tend to do, and you, you sort of uh, highlighted this a few minutes ago, Natalie, is that if we are waking up in the middle of the night, um, because the quality of our sleep is a little, you know, distorted. When we roll over and and jump on our newsfeed or jump on our whatever digital addiction that we have, we're winding our system up to be in a more alert state. And so, if you're waking in the middle of the night or you're you're having some broken sleep, making sure that instead of engaging into 
more alert um, time, you actually just focus on your breath, start counting backwards, start doing anything just to to gather your attention back into a more restful state. You know, simply by um, taking an in-breath and saying like and thinking, I calm my body, and then on your out-breath, I feel at ease or I am at ease, is a great way just to rest and uh, slip yourself back into a more conducive state to be able to go back to sleep and continue your rest and rejuvenation so that you do get to wake up alert. Those news feeds and those emails and those um, Facebook posts, they will wait until the morning. (laughs) (laughs) They will. They will indeed. (laughs) Okay, let's move on. We've got another great question here from Evelyn. She says, I love your show, girls. I especially love how easy it is to get started on using OM practices. But when I tell others about it, they don't believe me that a couple of breaths can change anything at all. Can you explain the power of the breath and the simplicity of these practices? Well, it, it's it's quite amazing, you know. Like like with any anything, I think you know, equally maybe not equally, but there are you know there are some some our detractors out there, our judges who are saying, oh, you know, you can't you, you can't do anything in one minute. One minute's not going to help, and it, it's it's quite incredible that that people before they even try something have judged have judged it and and uh interestingly when we're in a mindless state so when when we're not mindful our judging button is really switched on high and we're really good at judging when we're not paying attention we're less likely to judge on things or people or situations when when we're paying attention. And so when we can strengthen our attention muscle for mindfulness, then we're less likely, we're more likely to have a more open and curious mind. However, in saying that, what I, what I will say um, for Evelyn, and thank you again for your kind words, and I'm glad that they're really easy because that's what uh, we've designed them to be. Yes, Natalie, it's, it's, <laughs> we, we wanted them to be easy practices, not hard practices, and that's one of the reasons in the roadblocks why people don't uh, engage in an attention training process or a mental sit-up or a mental training process is because they think it has to be for hours or, you know, at least 20 minutes a few times a day and you have to be relaxed and ready and, in you know, in the perfect position on, a, on the perfect cushion, burning incense and, and everything in a, in a great place. These practices are designed to be able to implement into your daily practices of living, whatever life is giving you, you can call your attention back at any moment. And isn't it interesting that we have resistance to things being too hard and then we have resistance to things being too easy? Isn't it amazing? We put things through the we put things through the complicated to make them much more um, complicated. And we think that to get great results, it it must have to be hard. Mm. And sometimes that might be true. And there are other times when just just letting go and allowing things to be a little easier. Um, creates a different level of deepening, particularly when it comes to our our mindfulness practice or particularly when it comes to our attention system training. And so I'd say if if that's what your friends are saying, Evelyn, they might be right. It might not work for them if they, you know, we need, first and foremost, we need to have, which is certainly one of the cornerstones of a mindfulness practice, an open and curious mind. Yes. (laughs) Um, But anecdotally, so, so really the, the, 
what I can say is this comes twofold. Anecdotally, um, the short form mindfulness practices or attention system training practices have been shown to work across multiple platforms for multiple people for multiple life conditions that people find themselves in and the essentially what it's doing is turning off uh, the brain high alert system it's turning off and cooling off the stress system and allowing you to be as I said before, that closer version to your ideal self. And there there are many um, anecdotal instances of where people have just started to use the breath a few times a day and it's literally changed their life. And so in addition to that, there's an emerging science which is now catching up to the Eastern practices and that, that emerging science is saying you don't have to be in meditation you don't have to be a buddhist monk or a practicing buddhist to to reap the benefits of a meditation contemplative or mindfulness practice nor do you have to do it for a huge amount of time and in fact there's a compounding effect of mental training and particularly of the one minute practices that that we utilize so the the way the way i work is I'll I'll look at what we're doing out there in our world. I'll try and use cue, the life as a cue, and then I'll go searching for some studies or some scientists who are sitting in their labs testing out these mindfulness practices. And so we're using, Natalie and I, you know, we're using a combination of what has been proven and what is, is anecdotally um, evidenced and what people in the East have been doing for thousands and thousands of years when it comes to contemplative practice. Mm. So, you know, we we always make mention, people always make mention of less is best and simplicity, you know, works. So I guess there's, is there a part of it that people need to just jump in and get started and, and create their yeah. own anecdotal evidence rather than Absolutely. thinking it's not going to work? Hey, I, you know what I say? I always say about any anything. It might, it may or may not work, and there are no guarantees. Mm. I've not, I've, I'm saying a double negative here. I've not seen it not work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen anyone who engages in an, in some form of contemplative practice, whether it's meditation, um, you know, mental sit-ups, mental training. It always has the side effect of benefit in in so many different ways. So what I'd suggest to your friends, Evelyn, we're still talking with Evelyn, aren't we? We are. What what I'd suggest to your friends, Evelyn, is get them just to run up the flag pole and give it a try for 30 days. If it doesn't work, they can jump on the bandwagon and say, see, it didn't work. I told you it wouldn't. And if it does, and my suggestion, my little sense is that it will, they will be astounded at the benefit to their lives and how it deepens their connection with themselves and their ability to connect with their unique gift to pay that forward to others. And I would say that Evelyn, you know. It's working for you. You know, it's working for you. Don't worry about what they're saying or thinking. If it's working for you, you'll. The, the thing is, we sh- the way that we show up is a true example of the, the way we live our lives. And so if 
if you're if you're practicing your OMS on a regular basis, you people will begin to notice a different version of you. A more consistent, a more kind, a more all of you know, all of the things that, that emerge as a direct result of these on practices. And so you will be a closer version to your ideal self and people will start to ask, What are you doing, Evelyn? And you'll be able to say, I'm I'm omming my way to this bliss. <laughs> <laughs> they will. Excellent. All righty. Well, thank you. That was a, a great explanation there. And, and above all, above all comment you made there, um, Vicky, experience shows. So, mm. you know, we all breathe. Let's, let's just breathe a little bit more mindfully and, and, and see how that creates some shifts for us. It's pretty easy practice. Oh, now this next question from Gail in Auckland. This uh, this may open a, a can of worms, which you know we're happy about doing on the show. Now, Gail, really says, are we? We are, we are, because you can answer everything. I know that you have an answer for everything. Oh, so we'll be wrong. So not true. <laughs> okay, now Miss Gail from Auckland says a friend of mine suggested I started listening to your show, and I'm really loving it. That's excellent, Gail. My question is about antidepressants. Gail says she's been on them since a traumatic episode in her life in 2008. She doesn't like being on them, but she's afraid she'll fall back into into depression if she stops taking them. And she wants to know, can our on practices help her? Uh, Yes. This this question could open up a huge category. now, what was what is our beautiful asker's name again? Gail. Gail. Hi, Gail. Firstly, what I want to say is, I'm not going to suggest, and I and I know that Natalie, you you wouldn't either, that anybody stops medication um, without first consulting their um, doctor, their physician, their health specialist, and and I, I want to be really clear on that. I certainly don't suggest or advise anything when it comes to medication and particularly when it comes to antidepressants. I see a lot of people every day who uh, find themselves or have found themselves in a life condition that has required uh, them to take some psychotropic interventions. And the problem, I believe, may not be the antidepressants. I believe that one one of the the questions that we can consider is that they're prescribed often without an end point or a plan for not for a time when you don't need them. And we all have traumatic events, different traumatic events in in our lives. And uh, Gail, uh, I trust that that you've been able to move on, and there's been some resolve to what has been going on for you. When did she say that she was? Didn't did she give us a time on yes. that? Yes, she's been on them since two thousand and eight, so that's quite quite a length of time as well. Okay, so even if we were to look at the the normal cycle of of grief, um, you know, we all run through a cycle of grieving when it comes to traumatic situations, and the the, the length of time depends on a number of variables. And often, you know, that comes back to our resilience, our emotional resilience. Um, and sometimes, what that means, if that when you know, if it's significantly traumatic, or that we don't have the emotional resilience to be able to deal with it, that there may be some intervention that has, is suggested and prescribed. 
Um, first and foremost, Gail, I would go back to your uh, health care professional, your doctor, your whoever it was, whatever field it was that prescribed your antidepressants, and just ask some questions uh, about the possibility of you being able to reduce and create a plan for an exit and an end point to being able to take that medication. Alongside that, though, the one-minute mindfulness practices, I see a lot of people and work with a lot of groups in who have life conditions that have had them um, taking medications and absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, these practices help you to train and retrain and guide your attention and strengthen your capacity for emotional resilience. And so alongside your plan, whatever you and your health professional decide, alongside that, please continue or at least start, if you haven't, your um, mental attention training, whether it's your um, whether it's your using your breath, whether it's uh, doing some form of visualisation, which is always really good um, for people who find themselves going through a traumatic situation, uh, whether it's starting to journal. Journaling is a great way. Um, just one minute journaling and taking in the good. So you're allowing the good, the positive, to wash over us. So there would be some practices that I'd certainly, certainly um, suggest. But again, I want to really strongly, to anyone out there, and I know that there will be a number of listeners who may be experiencing um, taking some antidepressants in some form or other, please make sure that you don't just stop them, that you go and see uh, your professional, your health professional, the person, the, the group that, that may have prescribed that and come up with a plan about uh, maybe an end point to those because we can, uh, yeah, email me. Um, I, I'll be happy to uh, recommend people to you if you need that I can also recommend practices that have been shown to work for lots of the people I work with but this is a really it's a really emotional obviously no pun intended it's an emotional issue and a very complex issue and so it's one of those questions that uh, as much as it's a really good conversation to have I'm just very careful about uh, and I know that you're the same Natalie about how we handle that with people because it's a it's a it's a complex issue and not one to be taken lightly at all. Um, you got an email address there, Vicky? Vicky, V-I-K-K-I, at vickykelly.com. Fabulous. And, Gail, you know, when you're listening to this show, keep listening to our show. Keep bringing in the, the practices that we share every week into what you're currently doing. And and you'll have the best monitor of your own health and well-being if you're starting to feel a little less anxious or sleeping better or feeling more energized and, and more joyful. And and follow Vicky's advice there to the T about um, your medication and working and getting supported by your own professional team that I'm sure you already um, uh, are doing that. So that that is a great question and, and Natalie, quite possibly you see- something. Natalie, you see a lot of people in your healing um, capacity as a, as, a, as a spiritual healer, and I imagine that you would see some people that have been through some traumatic life uh, situations and may or may not have chosen to go down the antidepressant 
uh, route. What would your suggestion be in, in, in that realm? Um, I, I agree completely with you with anybody that's on any form of medication who's who's seeing any or many practitioners, you know, is that they, they follow that. Um, I don't I don't actually have anybody who takes antidepressants in my clinic at the moment, but I do have people who are taking um, uh, you, uh, have a lot of cancer clients. So they're, they're on chemo, they're on radiation, okay. et cetera. Okay. And, um, you know, it, it's, it, it is a, Oh, it's it's probably three shows in one, um, yeah, but okay. it is a topic that people are, on medication are scared to go without it, but they're looking mm-hmm. to go without it. So my place, I feel, when they come to me is to to create a, a program, a system, and I use the mindfulness tools um, within that as, as well as other things that will take care of how they emotionally and physically feel mm-hmm. alongside of whatever other medications or practices that they're, they're doing for their maybe their mental or their um, emotional um, okay. healing yeah. in that way. So I, I, um, I would never support work go, telling anybody to stop taking their supplements or their medication or their, their, chemi- their chemo treatments or anything like okay. that, but bringing in practices that are about um, on practices that are about connecting more to yourself and working with your breath and being able to just bring your attention back to to moments of gratitude it can do no harm no matter what medication or, or medical program you're currently on and and, and they will complement that and they will support you more through your healing journey which, which is and you bring up an, a really important um, point Natalie is that uh, calling our attention back onto things like gratitude, things like the, you know, that there will be some good going on around any life situation that, that people find themselves in. And because we're, our brains are actually wired for a negativity bias, so we're, we sort of have this alert system that looks for the negative. Mm. And when, when a life situation comes up that, that is traumatic or negative or sad, we can get hooked into that. And it's not that we want to dismiss it and push it down, suppress it and deny it. It's just can I be a kind, loving, joyful version of myself and allow this to be with me along the way? If I, you know, if I was, it's who, who would I want to be as my best friend who was going through this? Mm. And so I think you, you really raise an important point that it's, being able to, alongside what what's going on, bringing the kindness in, bringing the gratitude in for your support network, for the things that are working for you, and also our our one minute mindfulness practices. So our attention training practices, um, we when we do them outside of life experience. So when we do when we continue to do our on practices, when things are going our way, what we're essentially doing is strengthening our mental muscle and our emotional resilience muscle for when and if we have traumatic situations or events going on in our life, we have a bit of a credit bank to be able to deal with that more mindfully than maybe if we're we're not doing these on practices to strengthen our emotional and mental muscles. Yeah, yeah. 
Yay. Thank Yay. you. Yay. Thank, Thank you, Gail. you, Gail. Gail, keep us posted, Gail. It would be great if you checked in with us in a, in a month and told us anything that you felt or, or were aware of that, that had changed for you bringing these practices in. I'd love to hear that as well. Please keep us posted. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, one of my favourite topics, kids. Um, <laughs> kids and grandkids. And, you know, the best thing about being a grandmother for me is that you do see the, the, the next generation of parenting through different eyes than when you're full-time busy in raising your own. So um, <clears throat> I, I'm more and more aware now than ever before, I think, because as my granddaughter grows up, she's growing up in this very – busy, stressful, fast-paced um, organisation, uh, uh, world, environment. And that's a little different than my kids spent a, a quite a few years growing up in Vanuatu. So no technology, um, very different life. So um, I love any time we talk about kids. Okay. So, Vicky, did you hear the question from Jane about um, wanting to no. know if on practices are good for kids and which particular exercises she can do with her kids to help them strengthen their emotional intelligence. Ah, okay. So the thing about kids is um, I, didn't, I didn't start the, uh, the attention training practices with working with children. I started working first and foremost with people with eating disorders on both ends of the spectrum and then secondly with corporate groups and more late and later with uh, uh, individuals and groups, community groups. And so those people, though, were taking the one-minute mindfulness practices and taking them back into their parts of the world, applying them in their own lives, and then many of those people were parents, mums or dads, and they began to notice a difference in, you know, anecdotally that the feedback that was coming back is my kids are they're different. My kids are different. What's going on? I know I'm feeling different, but my kids are also different. Do you think that they've, you know, it's rubbing off on them? And so we we do know that these practices have a spillover effect into the our relationships and what we're noticing in um, our relationships. So first and foremost, mum or dad doing the on practices means that you are more connected with the people around you, and that includes our little people, and that's certainly heartening for for me. So your attention to them, your ability to connect with them, your um, your awareness to unplug and look up from your screens rather than be hooked in and be distracted. Your your distractions, you're able to manage them a little more um, effectively, so that you can pay attention to to your little people. So that and that then has an, um, a direct effect with their behaviour. But in addition to that, what we've discovered and what I've been um, learning, particularly over the last 12 months, is utilising the on practices for kids is is really effective. And there's a few few that um, I use on a regular basis and recommend to parents to use on a regular regular basis. One of them, which we, we did just touch on before, is I call it thank yous. And so at night time, when you go to bed and you're saying goodnight to your little people, you might read them a book um, and, you know, get the devices out of their bedroom if, if, if they've got those, and then engage together with your little people in the thank yous. So, you know, three or five thank yous. Today I'm thankful that my friend um, played with me. 
I'm thankful that I'm laying here next to my mum doing my thank yous. I'm thankful. So just three or five thank yous with your little people, it just allows them to be washed over by the essence of gratitude before they go to sleep. And and, and I feel like that's a really powerful way of, of helping our kids to slip into that deep quality of sleep that we talked about after, you know, during the first question. But also, what a beautiful gift of a few minutes of your time at the end of the day to celebrate with your little people the, the gratitudes, um, the thank yous that they can energise within themselves and, and learn from you. Um, so that's a really good bed, bedtime one. Another one is is kids eat every day. We all eat every day. So a, a, an om practice of mindful eating and so in our home we do it with blueberries we pop a blueberry in our mouth and and it's who can have the blueberry sitting in their mouth for the longest and describe it afterwards and so that calling of attention that mindful eating process has been shown to be really effective particularly if we're driving in the car and it's are we there yet are we there yet or the <laughs> the siblings start poking and fighting each other, either verbally or physically, um, we'll, we'll drop into a mindful eating process. <laughs> um, and Vicky, you, what about for kids that um, that are heading off to school or daycare um, or high school with some anxiety, worried about bullying or worrying about not being good at sport that day or just just the anxiety that, that I hear from some parents that their children express about you know, maybe getting something wrong at school or not wearing the right uniform. How can we better prepare them for their their day away from the home? First and foremost, have a ritual of of eating breakfast with your, particularly your adolescents. Um, And that does mean the struggle of getting them out of bed in the morning. But the power of eating, uh, sharing a meal together and helping them to prepare mentally and emotionally for their day as adolescents, particularly if you're noticing that they are having some um, anxiety problems or some um, bullying problems or just some friend social problems at school, and helping them to prepare for their day by setting intentions with them. And it doesn't have to be in a formal way, but just through your conversation, setting up intentions about what's going to be great about your day today. What can you imagine is going to be really good? Oh, well, I don't know because I've got this friend and she didn't play with me yesterday and and, I'm, and she's, you know, putting a gang against me. And and so having those conversations, if, they, if there's a willingness to discuss them, will help will help um, your, your particularly your adolescents. You can guide them through setting an intention of, you know, of walking away, of standing and, and facing the person with kindness in your heart, of choosing a word for the day. In in our home, we choose a word for the day every day with, with Gracie, my 12-year-old, and um, yesterday her word was persistence <laughs> <laughs> because she she had a, a a lot going on in her day and she was having to do a maths test which she doesn't like maths and so she said persistence will be what I'll do today and at the end of the day we reflected on that and she said persistence I persistence came up a lot for me today mum but because I I decided that in the morning 
it was a lot easier. Mm, I love that. I love that. In my yoga classes with my aroma dance students, I ask them to set an intention at the beginning of the of their practice. What's their intention? What do they want to show up as today? Do they need to be confident? Do they need to be persistent? Mm-hmm. Do they need to to slow down so that they can actually, you know, bring that vibration, that energy in and, and be that for the day and draw on that when they need it, when they've they've got something to face throughout the day. I love that. And reminding our kids, and, and I think we can all remind ourselves, that life happens around us. There are people behave in, in um, beautiful and bizarre ways around us. The only constant is the way that the perspective that we can choose to bring to to the people, the events and the episodes around us. And we constantly, I'm constantly reminding young people that they hold the power of perspective. They hold the power of being able to choose their response. She made me feel that way. No, Mm. (laughs) you chose to feel that way. Without dismissing that they might be feeling hurt, but they 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 feel a certain way, and the way that they choose to respond, it's either by default, which sometimes is really good and sometimes is really not, or they can think about, reflect on, and choose to respond in a certain way that is the closer version to the person that they truly love to be. And as an adolescent, there's a lot of discovery around trying to work out who they'd love to be. Um, and often that comes from as an outside-in approach because they want to be someone else. Um, however, I think building emotional resilience in our young people through these OM practices, and I've got a 22-year-old Natalie, and he, you know, we, we've done lots of uh, reflective practices as young people. We've always done affirmations. We've, so I've always um, done these uh, mental training and emotional training processes with all of all of my children and uh, my son is 22 now and it's only in the last couple of years that he's because you know a teenage boy it's like mom you and your you and your fluffy stuff it's only now that he's really valuing the the practices and the training emotionally and mentally that he did as a child and he's beginning to bring those back into his life now he's a an emerging cricketer and um it really makes a difference he said in his world when when he can call his attention in the way that he's always done as a child so it it may you may not see it working in the moment but it is building and strengthening your beautiful little people's capacity to be more emotionally resilient and and more emotionally um, grounded as they go through some significant teenage challenges. <laughs> and look, I, I think never before has there been a generation like like these kids who mm-hmm. are expe- who are exposed to so much so much change, so much technology, so much fastness, so much stress. And so much discussion around, um, which I love, around the the importance of un- a healthy emotional intelligence. You, mm-hmm. you know, never, you know, no one sat me down as a child and talked about my feelings and my thoughts and how to handle things. So, this generation, I think we need to dedicate a whole show to to being able to support this generation through this because they're they're just in this kind of almost like a kaleidoscope it must be like living in a kaleidoscope compared to you know I grew up on a small island 
So mm. completely different to how I'm watching my teenagers as they as they start yeah. to grow exactly. older and, and a grandchild. So, and the, I think the reality is that you know the, the, there there is absolute upsides of this um, digital age, yeah. and kids, you know, kids can can be connected with so many concepts from around the world, and they don't have to rely just on their parents for their values and their and their um, principles. However, the downside of that is they're not relying on their parents for their values and principles. And so, <laughs> so, so yeah. the what what I am noticing is that there there is a growing awareness um, in our millennial our millennial generation that are now becoming the digital age, and they're becoming our our um, the consumers of this. And but also our they're moving into being young adults and being able to be in the workplace, be in the world, be in politics. And I'm really heartened that they're, be, they're just, there's a reconnection with compassion and kindness mm. that I haven't seen in 10 years. And so it's, it's, it is heartening. So uh, keep doing your own practices, particularly with your young people, because it will, it will show up. They will shine in a, in a brilliant way. And at the very, at the very least, the, the strength that these practices will build for them mentally and emotionally will hold them in great stead because the things that are available to our teenagers now for them to be able to check out emotionally are scary. And so if they have emotional resilience within, from the inside out, um, they are more likely to be able to deal with uh, those temptations in a more effective way. Great. Thanks, Jane. That was a a great question and um, one that I think we'll dedicate a whole show to exploring because we do need to wrap up now. (gasps) Hasn't that been fun? Hasn't that been been fun fun. to hear from our listeners? I I hope your answers... Um, have really uh, have met the audience and and they've um, really responded well to that. That was a really great show. Thanks, Vicky. Hey, thank you, Natalie. And make sure we sh- keep those uh, questions coming in. All your feedback, all of our all of our question askers. Thank you so much for stepping up and asking questions, probably on behalf of lots of the listeners who may have been thinking the same thing. So there's lots of ways that you can stay connected with us on the couch. Go, you can go to our website. Uh, www.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash OMM. Um, and there's lots of fabulous shows and lots of outstanding contributors on the couch, and they're all dedicated to supporting you in your wellness adventure. And or of you can go the on wellness to couch, Facebook, yes. Um, the wellness seminars on in August in Melbourne oh, as well. Yes. So jump over to their site and find out um, more about the wellness the summit, summit, isn't yep. it? Yep, the Wellness Summit, and we'll be there, and so will many of the others from the show, so you'll get to uh, meet them live as well. So jump on the website and check out the It'll be the first time you and I will meet each other live. I know, in the flesh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and also our Facebook page, of course, facebook.com forward slash OMM show, and also on iTunes. We'd love you to like us and leave a, a comment or review or something on iTunes so that we can can connect with a, a wider audience and please share our, our podcast around with your friends and family. Oh, yes, pay it forward, pay it forward. So until next time, please do remember to pause, breathe and smile your way through your days as you reconnect with your inner amazingness and allow your unique gift to warmly wash over the hearts of all of those around you. Thank you, Natalie. Thanks, Vicky. 
This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.